Well, uh, Barney, it's good to talk. Uh, it's been a while. And um, so you're uh, beaming into us from an undisclosed location somewhere in Asia. Uh-huh, yes, that's, that's correct. And it's undisclosed just because um, there are some local authorities that really wouldn't like to know what you're doing. Yep, that's right. What um, what I do is not is not welcome where I live. So yes, we need to um, keep it undisclosed. Yeah. So you you've been out in the field now for about I think it's fourteen years. Yeah, that's right. Fourteen years. Yes, we've been here. Yep. And uh, what I guess just in the the overall picture, what what is it that you've seen um, God do uh, during mm-hmm. that time? What where have you come to so far in terms of um, progress in church planting movements? Yep. Okay. Um, well, just a quick overview. In the fourteen years, we've we've done a number of <clears throat> number of things, but in terms specifically around church planting movements. Uh, we began in one part of, of the country where we're living, um, began a work amongst unreached people groups, and uh, the, the, I'm no longer involved in this work. We have all local, uh, local leaders, local, um, local folks doing the work now, but uh, the last report I heard is it's up around 10,000 believers uh, come, come, to, come to faith. Uh, around about 300 house churches, and that's spread out across 10 small, small unreached people groups. When we first began the work, there was no known believers that we could find in this one particular area. Hmm. Uh, and that, that, that's, we started that project in about uh, 2000. So it's really been the last, last 10 years, I guess. Um, we started from scratch, and that's where it's come to with that project. Uh, then we began another work amongst uh, cities uh, in this country, and we're up to around about, last I heard was about 110 churches. We began this project in 2007, so in the last three years. Again, started with no churches, and uh, it's now in 20 cities. A uh, number of believers, I think, is probably, I would guess now, I'm not 100% sure, but up around the 5,000 mark. Uh, I heard it was about four and a half thousand six months ago, so it's probably probably about five five thousand now, I would think. Um, and we've just begun another project a couple of months ago, and it's right in the very infant stage. Uh, so we uh, sort of uh, started a church again. This is in a rural area, and uh, we've seen altogether now the seven churches planted in the last couple of months. And um, so, uh, again, this is amongst rural folks. Um, a lot of these folks have never heard the gospel before. And the goal is to, to multiply this work out many times over the next uh, couple of years. So that's a real real quick overview in terms of actual CPM stuff. Well, it's a very encouraging overview. And uh, I think for some of us uh, that haven't been in, in the midst of a a uh, church planning movement or movements that you've experienced, we sort of wonder what does it look like practically? Where do how do we get our head around it, and uh, where do we begin? So right. uh, today I was just going to get you to talk a, a bit about that, and I know there's just some um, 
you know, some, some, some basics that you've, you share with people about knowing, being, doing, relating. And, mm. uh, I just wanted, could you introduce those, those four headings to us? And then, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about the first one. So uh, sure, just yeah. unpack them for us, uh, just in an introductory way. Sure. Okay. Well, um, yeah, there are, there are four things. Uh, so the, the this is typically what I think is helpful for people to understand in terms of uh, how to approach uh, CPM. Um, not necessarily the real nuts and bolts. There is some nuts and bolts in here, but it's a sort of a combination of of, of who we are as the type of person that God uh, would use in terms of seeing a CPM, CPM happen. And then also some practical things of how to outwork that. So uh, the first one is head, which refers to knowing. It's an understanding of how CPMs work. Uh, the second one is heart, which refers to – these are just categories. The second one is heart, which refers to being – so the kind of person looking at uh, essentially God uses people uh, first um, and then methods. It's all about who you are as a person. The third thing is hands, and uh, which refers to doing. So some practical things in terms of outworking, uh, how CPMs actually work. And then the fourth thing is, is house, which refers to relating. And that's the idea, the need to link into the wider body of Christ, the thought of that um, in terms of seeing the CPM happen, you're not going to be able to just do it on your own. You have to relate to others and, and link in with the wider body. So those are the four things, head, knowing, heart, being, hands doing, and house relating. Uh, good. And uh, before you jump into the first one, I should mention that uh, we'll, we'll provide on the, on the blog at movements.net not just the download of our discussion but also just a, a, a handy one-page summary of these things so people can follow along so Good, yeah tell us uh, why, why don't we just spend a, a bit of time now just talking about the first one uh, head uh, mm. yeah unpack that for us okay well under the under this this uh, this heading um, there's the basic idea is um, understanding how CPMs work uh, so the first thing that you want to throw in there is the need to look at the book of Acts and um, as, a, as a guide for church planting movements and looking at how the gospel spread in the book of Acts, uh, how Paul went about uh, planting churches, how he trained up leaders, um, the characteristics of CPMs. I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of good stuff out whether it be on the on the internet or books that people write or, or, or stuff like that, and it's all good and it's all helpful, um, and it's uh, we can learn a lot from it. But the the real key in terms of the handbook for church planting and particularly church planting movements, which is what we're talking about today, is is the need to look at the Book of Acts and look at the characteristics of how the gospel spread through Acts. Um, things that that seemed that were happening at the time, the way Paul went about doing stuff, even what church looked like in the Book of Acts. It's a very big topic, but the the, the key is looking at Acts and using that as the manual. Uh, whenever whenever I, I train people, the, one of the first things I'll do is I'll ask them to read the Book of Acts, um, and so that so that allow God to speak to them through Acts and try to, if possible, put aside. 
preconceived ideas about about how we should plant churches and put aside even sometimes things we've been taught in the past because it can be well-meaning but it's not necessarily what I would believe the most effective way because it doesn't line up with how Acts works. So, so that's the first one. And, and at, Grant, would it be true to say it's not just read the book of Acts but you're saying here study it in, in, and, and look for the principles, um, look for how uh, God's word spread and how disciples were made how uh, challenges and, and problems were overcome, those sorts of questions um, to really get inside what does a church planning movement look like? Yeah, that, that, that's right. Yeah, so that's right. Trying, trying to ask these questions as you read. Um, I, I think it's really helpful. Years ago, we, uh, when I was at uh, missionary training school, we did this lot of exercises around the thing called Bible survey. We ask the question and try to look at, read, 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 the, read, the, read the passage asking particular questions as you go. And I think God is more likely to speak rather than just sort of skimming through, but really trying to get into asking some of these questions you just mentioned. So, yeah, that's very important. Okay. All right. We'll just uh, take us on to the next thing for in this sure. whole area of, of knowing. Okay. Uh, the next thing that I think is important is the need to um, understand a simple plan and how to get to a church planning movement. So the, uh, I guess the, the, the most practical way or the, the easiest way to explain it is what um, we've done in the past. The first um, CPM we, we did was uh, I essentially I looked at the area that we were trying to target, so a, a geographical area. And I looked at the size of the area, and it was uh, 5,100 square kilometres was the size of the area. And I figured, because it was a a rural area, um, that we needed to plant churches in places where it gave people access, where they could walk, essentially. If they didn't have any transport, they could walk to a church. So I figured that a church every 10 square kilometres was about what we needed. And so that would give us a total of 510 churches we needed to plant in this unreached area. Um, so that was that was what we were aiming for. And then uh, breaking it down after that, we said, okay, well, if we're going to need 510 churches, essentially uh, what we need to do is to figure out how we're going to do training, um, how many church planters essentially we're going to need to start the project, um, what the churches were going to look like in order to reproduce, maybe the kind of resources and materials we were going to need, uh, how we were going to get Bibles to people, um, how we were going to get worship um, in a way that was going to be indigenous, um, uh, all these kind of things. So really trying to break it down, uh, where the prayer was going to come from in terms of obviously all these things happen by prayer, uh, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, how we were going to uh, do stuff in such a way that was really going to be reproducible because the only way you see CPMs happen is if it's what's begun is simple enough to reproduce. Uh, if things are too complicated, they're not going to reproduce. So developing a plan is really, really important. Um, I've found that it's not a case that we put, as, as I once heard someone say, it's not that we put our faith and a plan it's that we plan our faith mm. and so uh, what i found is that we can set um we can write down a plan on paper um and it doesn't 
it doesn't necessarily always go according to plan. I think most of us realise that that we can all draw up really good good plans, but they don't always go according to our plan. But what it does, it does provide a guideline to know what to do next. And I think what happens for a lot of people, whether it be missionaries or or church planners in general, um, they get a bit stuck because they're not always sure where to go next. But if we try to develop a simple plan, then at least it gives a way forward, a roadmap forward. And it needs to be adjusted as we go because problems and challenges will always come up, but it helps to provide a way forward. So I've found understanding what's involved in a CPM plan is, is very, very important. I was thinking too, just as you described it, Grant, that it's a plan that begins with what does it look like when the job is done. I think you yeah. other times you've you've described this, or others have described as end visioning. So yeah, it's it's not right. just what do I do Monday morning at nine o'clock. It's um, what am I going to do Monday morning in in light of. This is what it looks like when our job is done. And, and you're working back from an end vision. Correct. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's a very important thing that also gets thrown in here uh, in this, this, this heading of nine is, is this sort of end visioning. So it, it's based around um, the, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. So this whole thought of your kingdom come, um, what, so, so what would it look like? What, what would the end vision look like when God's kingdom has come? Uh, when everybody's had an opportunity to hear that, everyone's had the opportunity to hear the gospel. What, what does that look like? And so, it's starting at the end result and working our way backwards, which we call an end vision, as opposed to starting where we are now and trying to figure out what the next step is. Mm-hmm. Step is. Um, a lot of people use different terms for this. Maybe it's reverse problem solving. Um, it could be one term. We In CPM world, it's often called envisioning. And a good question to ask is, what, what, what would the job look like when it's all done? How many churches, really, the question is asking, how many churches do we need to see planted so that we consider that the job is done in this particular area? And that's obviously going to look different, depends on... Uh, your population, the size of the area, how many people, groups, etc., etc. And by starting at the end and working our way backwards, we're more likely to hit the target. Uh, we're more likely to be able to do the things uh, that are what I would consider high-value activities rather than just trying to figure out what what we're trying to do next. Yeah, it's, it's a, I find it's a much more helpful way to go. Okay, so to be really clear on the plan and the end vision and it, it just reminded me you know one one writer uh, I, I read talked about uh, that in in uh, during Jesus mission uh, at that time there were about 175 towns and villages in the Galilee region I think mm-hmm. a couple of hundred thousand people and there's every likelihood Jesus or one of his team uh, would have got to each of those villages so he yep. clearly had an end vision for impacting a nation because, uh, yep. uh, you know, he went on to his ministry in Jerusalem and the like. Not that everybody is going to become a follower or everybody, but that mm. uh, this is what it looks like to touch a city or a region or a nation. Now, let's work back from that and make yep. it happen. 
Okay, so yeah, what, yeah, that, that's exactly right. What else have we got in in uh, the whole area of knowing? Okay, um, and the next thing I think is important to look at is the thought of the need to to get the gospel um, to as many people as possible. Now, this is probably as as obvious, but it's surprising. Um, how, how few times we actually do this. You know, people, of course, only come to Christ when they hear the gospel. And so there's a need for lots of M2E evangelism, or what, what that's just obviously an abbreviation for it, lots of mouth-to-ear evangelism. So there the needs to be, essentially, there needs to be a lot of people telling others about Christ. There needs to be a lot of people telling the gospel message. If people don't hear the gospel, then people aren't going to get saved. And some, this is, I think, sometimes it's so obvious that I think we overlook it, that sometimes we ask ourselves, why aren't people coming to Christ? Well, really, there's just a simple answer is, well, people aren't hearing the gospel. And so the question, a good question to ask is, how many people, how many of my people, as in my target people, or however you like to phrase that term, have heard the gospel today? Um, the more the people that are getting trained to tell others about Christ, the more people that we ourselves are telling about are telling others about Christ, the more likelihood people are going to get saved. So there needs to be lots of mouth-to-ear evangelism. Lots of people actually sharing their faith is very important. And because uh, we're looking at it from the eyes of, of an envision, just like Jesus did, uh, we're mobilizing um, ordinary people to do that mouth-to-ear evangelism. We'll we'll play our role as the worker, but we mm-hmm. assume if, if we start with what does it take to get this job done, we assume we're going to have to mobilise lots of ordinary people, new believers, uh, yes. to share the gospel. Uh, agreed. I think um, often a downfall can be is that we allow, in, in many parts of the world, evangelism is done through let's invite our non-Christian family or friends, our non-saved friends to an event. And so we bring them to an event and then we have some kind of program where the gifted evangelist or whatever was put on, and that's the way that we do evangelism. We have the specialist shares the gospel. Um, whereas in a CPM, it's actually not like that at all. What we, 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 we don't bring people to an event. We train people, everyday ordinary people, how to share their testimony, how to share a basic presentation of the gospel and lead someone to Christ. So everyday, everyday believers, not the specialist, is the one people who are sharing their faith. And when you're mobilizing as many people like that, then obviously the gospel is going to be shared with many, many people, and more people are going to get saved. Mm. And many of those people sharing are new believers. Oh, very much so, yeah, yeah, very much so. An example I shared at the beginning, um, we've just in the last couple of months started a very, like the infancy of what I would see will in time will become a CPM, um, seven churches planned in the last two months. And um the, the reason why that's happened is because the new believers have gone to relatives and friends and neighbors um, to share the gospel, and they've taken an experienced person with them. But the initiative, the introduction, and why they've gone to the villages is all being driven by the new believer. They've, they've taken the initiative. And some of these believers literally are only 
you know, a month old in the Lord, but they want to have their, their neighbours, their relatives, etc., in other places to hear the gospel. So, so very much uh, new believers, yes. Okay. But you've also talked about this, not just the mouth-to-ear evangelism, but I, I remember you talking a bit about the importance that there's also wide distribution of the gospel. Um, what does that look like? Yeah, um, that's right. As well as mouth-to-ear, we've found that it's been very helpful to basically seed sowing, lots of sowing the gospel through different shape and form, and this is where there can be a lot of really good um, uh, other ministries that are out there that can really help, Um, obviously radio broadcasts. um, That's one way of sharing the gospel. Um, I'm thinking particularly in a maybe in an area of the world where, yeah, it's a little more unreached. Um, that's one way of sharing the gospel. Uh, literature ju- distribution, and that can be done wherever around the world. Um, we would often have uh, uh, Jesus DVDs and a gospel booklet and, and some follow-up way where people could follow up. And we would have people that would literally just distribute them around the place so that they people come across them on buses, um, under park benches, um, in people's, um, not really letterboxes, but in, with, out front of people's homes, just everywhere in shops, um, DVDs placed within DVD stores on people's shelves so people pick them up, all, all kinds of very, very forms where the gospel is sown. And uh, the idea is is that um, we, it, it prepares people's hearts and through trusting uh, the Lord that people that have picked these up in time will meet someone who will share the gospel in a mouth-to-ear way, but it's preparing people's hearts. So that's also very, very important. This is where we can really link in with the wider body of Christ and say, help me get the gospel in terms of seed sowing in as many different ways spread out amongst my target area, and that helps prepare people to hear a gospel presentation. So the the real important factor is the mouth-to-ear evangelism, but that's yes. supported by these whole range of other ways to get a message through to people, trusting that God will will um, yeah prepare hearts that are, that are going to hear the gospel personally. Yeah, yes, that's right. I don't think you can't replace one with the other. And the, the bottom line is, and I think if we look at um, the book of Acts, it's always people preach the gospel. So the mouth to ear is primary, but it, it's supported and prepared by often, not always, but often by the widespread distribution of, of the seed that, that, that accompanies it. Okay. Well, yeah. what, else, uh, what else have you got in this whole area of... Uh head of knowing okay Uh, another area that's important is the need to understand that the resources are in the harvest um so so what essentially that means is that um some of uh some of our best leaders some of our best evangelists are people that aren't even saved yet um they'll be the ones who may be the drunkards uh the people who are um just committing all kinds of things that we wouldn't, sins that we wouldn't consider as, as very good uh, uh, good material for church planters or leaders. But these are people that haven't been saved yet. And so why, why, why this is important to understand resources are in the harvest, because when it comes to CPM, 
Uh, if you're talking about hundreds and thousands of churches that need to be planted, obviously um, we're not going to have the workers. If you try to begin with what have I got in my hand at the moment in terms of resources, often we it becomes very apparent um, that we don't have enough money, we don't have enough leaders, we don't have enough workers. And often... Um, it's very easy to get discouraged or people don't even attempt it because they don't feel they've got enough resources to even begin. But in terms of, in terms of CPM, when we always seek to raise up leaders very quickly, when we seek to plant churches very quickly, when we seek to have it self-funding and self-propagating, um, then the resources are always going to be there because they will come from within the harvest. And so it's not really an area that, that really need to spend a lot of time really thinking about how, where am I going to get this from or that from, because they will naturally spring up um, when we go about uh, doing the things that are important to see multiplication happen. So that's, that's very, very important. So it's, well, this is what Jesus told uh, his disciples. Even if you've got a, some resources, leave them behind. Um, and step into the mission, uh, believing that uh, God will provide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've found that God, um, God will always provide what we need. Um, doesn't mean that we don't personally invest in different ways, yeah. but the the bulk of the, the the bulk of the people we need and where the money's going to come from will come from within the people themselves. And so it's not like it's a completely different way of thinking, okay, if I've got to plant a church, I've got to have a, uh, maybe this is a bit of a stereotype, but I've got to have a good um, worship team ready to go. I've got to have a place to have a church office. I've got to have some premises somewhere. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. With CPM, you don't do any of that. It's all about um, the gospel. You get out there. You start preaching. You start, start the church in the place where the people are. You train them up in very simple reproducible message, uh, methods and you get them sending out, going out to share with their neighbours, their friends, etc., etc. And so the resources are always going to be naturally there because it's it's a simple, it's a reproducible, um, it, it's, it's a way of doing stuff that will multiply very quickly so therefore the resources will be there. So there's a mixture, there's a, there's a faith component in this that God will provide, but there's also... How has he chosen to provide? Well, he's going to provide through those new disciples. Or Jesus talked about persons of peace opening their homes and uh, yeah. uh, feeding the workers and the like. Um, sure. And it, it yeah. also, what you're saying, it also enables this thing to expand and grow beyond your direct control and funding. Oh, definitely, yes. With a CPM... Um uh, I would say that with a CPM, um, that uh, things things get very very messy, and um, and it's very much out of control um, in terms of if you're the kind of person who really likes to control tightly, then then you're going to have trouble with the CPM because, uh, and I think if you look at this in the book of book of Acts too, you know the gospel did spread quickly and. Um, and, and at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is the one who's in control. You know, um, we're, we're just simply the workers who, who, who work with, with the Lord of the harvest. And the Holy Spirit, he's the one who's in control. So things will get messy. They will get out of control. And um, 
Therefore, that when, when that happens, uh, you, you can't really control a lot of it. We can do our best to try to make sure things stay on track and on, uh, and and go according to what we what we hopefully plan for. But in the end, uh, when, when the Holy Spirit's in control, you can't you can't control it, uh, particularly because it will grow fast and it will go quickly, and we have to just trust that um, the Lord is the one who's the He's the Lord of the harvest that He will be the one who will be making sure that, that the things are in place and that if we as the workers are listening and we're walking in faith and we're walking in humility and we're seeking to do our best, then we can trust that the things that um, are taking place in terms of this resources and, and where the direction of the work's going, that it will be in step with, uh, with God because at the end of the day, he is the one who's in control. Okay, the, the last thing, and we've just got a few minutes, uh, Barney, is uh, you mentioned uh, about the importance of, of understanding other case studies and examples of church planting movements. Yeah, I think uh, this, is, this is really important um, because around the world uh, there are many case studies now, uh, particularly over the last... Uh, five, ten years. There, there are many, many case studies now around the world of all kinds of uh, situations and places where, where CPMs are taking place. And what's interesting is that um, the characteristics of each church planting movement, the principles, are often they're all they're all very common to each other, and they may the practical outworking of them in that particular culture may that the cultural clothing may look different. But when you strip it back, the principles are the same. And in terms of knowing, it's very important to take to read case studies and to get your hands on case studies to, to see what are they, um, what are the characteristics that are common. Because we'll find, and there's a lot of good material out there now that um, that they are very much very similar. So I always encourage people that um, uh, try to read as many case studies as you can, particularly of your area, if you can, um, of what are the things that are taking place around the world, but specifically in your part of the world, where, where multiplication is happening, and trying to look at these case studies and say, well, what are the commonalities, what are the factors, and how can I take some of these and apply them to the work that God's in, uh, entrusted me with? Okay. And I, I know uh, uh, in terms of resources on the internet, a good place to go looking uh, for those case studies would be David Garrison's website. It's uh, churchplantingmovements.com. If, you yeah. just, uh, if anybody wants to Google David Garrison and church planting movements, uh, uh, you will not find it hard to find, um, uh, to find him and his website and his excellent book. So yeah. um, now I, it's going to be a few weeks probably before we get to talk again and move into the second uh, characteristic that we're looking for in workers, which is heart or being. So in the meantime, let's set some homework, uh, Barney. I, I, I'm just wondering for those that are listening, what, what are just a couple of things that would be good things? Just assume they're on your team, you're supervising them. What are you going to ask them to do in the next few weeks? Okay. Uh, well, the first thing I would ask them is to read the book of Acts, um, not just to skim over it, but to read it um, and asking the questions, uh, and you raised some earlier on, um, things like how did the gospel spread through Acts, 
what were the uh, characteristics of how the gospel spread and, and how the church spread. And, um, I mean, you yourself uh, probably got some good questions to throw in there, but really look at the book of Acts and study it and say, ask the question around what did Paul do? How did he go about doing this stuff? And, and try to strip back what we usually uh, think is important in terms of how we go about planning churches. And so that, that would be the first thing I'd say is read the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is I would encourage people to uh, read case studies, try to get your hands and look at case studies and do some reading. Um, uh, that website, David Garrison's website is very good. I know, um, Steve, on your website, you've mm-hmm. got uh, different stuff that people can get a hold of. And do some reading and say, okay, what are the th- what are the commonalities in all these case studies. So essentially do some reading uh, would be very important. And I guess the third thing is basically this whole idea of envisioning. And for those who are targeting a particular city or a particular group, uh, people group, is to to try to do some, uh, look at some statistics, some figures and say, okay, how many people in my city am I trying to reach or my people group am I trying to reach? What does the gospel look like? What would it look like when God's kingdom has come? Is it 10% of the people will be reached? Is it we need to plant a church every uh, two square kilometers or five or 10 square kilometers like we did? Um, what, what is it? What does it look like? And if so, how many churches are we going to need? And then evaluate how we're doing our work now and ask, at this rate, the way we're going at the moment, are we going to get to this end vision? And basically try to assess what we're doing now, is it going to actually achieve um, the end vision? And I think most times people will find that that's not the case. And then ask the question and say, okay, if this current rate of how, the, of how we're going about doing the work now, if it's going to take 50 years or 100 years to achieve the end vision based on how many people we saw saved last year, how many churches have planned up to this point, ask the question, what do we need to do differently? And we can talk about that in the following weeks. But basically, really assess where your work is at and the speed of it and the effectiveness. And is it going to reach the end vision? If not, what do I need to do differently? And I, I like what you shared there when we talked about the resources that are in the harvest, that as we look at the size of the challenge, uh, to be reminded as we read the book of Acts that we're partnering with what God is doing and going to do. Yes. Even the experience of being overwhelmed is a good start. uh, Sure. Because it casts us back on him. Yeah. um, Yeah. So this has been very helpful. I could just add something here, Steve. I think with CPMs, um, it's always first it's a work of God. It's not about... um, if we do A and B, then we're naturally going to get C. It's, it's not like that. It always has to be, it's, it's, it's the work of God. But often what we find is that um, we can help or hinder the Spirit of God in what we do. And, and we help or hinder the Spirit of God through, if we stick to methods that are biblical, then we're more likely to see stuff happen. If we stick to things that what I would consider as high-value activities, which we will talk about in the coming weeks, then we're more likely to see stuff happen. If we have hearts that are really yielded to God and want to be shaped and really um, get, uh, throw aside a lot of our baggage of how we've done stuff in the past and be really open to trying something new 
then we're more likely to see stuff happen. So if I could just throw that in there in terms of the sort about being overwhelmed, that's a very natural Mm. thing. And I know that when I talk to a lot of people, they... Uh, they, they do get a little overwhelmed, but I try to encourage them to say, look, it's about God. We simply partner with God, with the Holy Spirit. This is still God's work. But if we're listening to him and obeying him and walking in obedience to the things he shows us, then we're more likely to see stuff happen. Hmm. Well, how about I pray, Barney? And uh, Lord, we just thank you for that, that uh, you are the Lord of the harvest, that hmm. uh, you are the one who has uh, conquered sin and death and the devil. Uh, you yeah. are Lord over all. And so we just ask for uh, for Barney and his work and for those that are listening in right now, we, we ask that you would help us to understand just uh, the vision you have for your kingdom coming uh, in the worlds in which you've placed us. Give us a heart for lost people and the faith to believe that as we step out in obedience, you will do great things. Mm. We just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.